0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. This is Pastor Hayden, and I'm joined with Pastor Evan. What's so funny? He's fumbling with a with a timer over there. That's pretty funny. Well, hey, here he is. Here I am. Here at fumbling, bumbling away. Hello. But here at Compass, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by doing what? Life group leaders. Reaching, teaching, and training. That's right. We want you guys to remember that and continually driving your people to the really the the purpose of why we're here. Uh, We had just opened up a new sermon series entitled, He Is, and this week's sermon was entitled, Wonderful Counselor, from Isaiah 9-6. Pastor Everett, would you like to read that text?
1: It would be my pleasure. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All right, well Pastor Hayden, the main thrust of your sermon uh, was just taking the two Hebrew words for wonderful counselor. Uh, you focused on Isaiah chapters 8 and 9 primarily as we were jumping through those verses. And essentially your main point is for us to be trusting in Christ because as God's promised solution to the most because it is God's promised solution to our most significant issue, which is our sin. And that, and our, our peace with God, but yeah, sin, or, or sin. With God. Yeah, yes, sin. Our peace with God. Yeah, our peace with God. And that is so important because it's in, it's an indispensable part of successfully addressing the mountain of problems that we face. And so in mm-hmm. order to face uh, the, our problems that we have, we have to first and foremost have our problem with God, our, our lack of peace with God, fixed before we can even attack that. Yep. And it's something you said at the 9 a.m. service, and I mean, I'm going to have to listen to the 11 a.m. service because I heard so many good things. I'm like, well, I want to know what you said too. (laughs) Um, Was the fact that in culture, it seems like before I can get right with Christ, I need to first figure out myself first and get some things lined up in my life. It's like, no, no. In order to figure out those things, you need to work the other way around. What are some of your thoughts or the notes that you have down um, about that?
0: There's actually a lot of verses and scriptures that I didn't uh – include in the sermon because it would be possible to include everything that you could uh, connect to what this means and it's particularly particular that question. Uh, really at the end of the day, uh, I think in Mark 2, uh, when uh, Jesus is eating with the scribes, or sorry, the tax collectors and the sinners that the scribes and Pharisees point out, uh, and they ask, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus, when he heard it, he said to them, "Those who are well need no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I mean, the whole idea of, like, there's other things I need to work out and figure out before I, you know, fix the problem with my peace with God is antithetical to even the fact that Jesus said, no, no, I came to deal with the major problem, uh, and I'm, I'm here to deal with it now. I'm not here to deal with it once these other small things get figured out. I'm here to deal with the big problems. And so I think that's a great scripture. I didn't include in the sermon, but I have it in my on, on the cutting floor over here in my sermon notes as a really important part of, uh, who needs to listen to Jesus' counsel? Well,
1: obviously the sick, the people who have problems that need to be solved. All right. And for, for point number one, you mentioned to for us to discard the counsel of our culture. And you uh, wrote down three things. You wrote down three things our culture says that we need to reject wholesale. Uh, first off is to to reject the idea of to prioritize yourself you brought up Philippians 2 as the counter to that to count others more significant the second thing we need to reject is to discover our true identity and you were uh, you proved uh, uh disproved that with galatians 3 how we are one in christ and then finally you said for us to reject do what makes you happy and you brought up luke 9 for us to deny ourselves and pick up our cross and you know i bet we we know in our as life group leaders we know some people in the room that are right, are right, we stepped on their toes like that was we, they think that way and they're wrong but there's a lot of people in our life group who are going nod their head and say yes and amen but unfortunately they live out those three things even though they say they reject them and so as life group leaders how can we guide both crowds the one that believes these statements to be true and should be accepted and for those who say the Say reject them in their lives. They really do prioritize themselves. They try to discover their true identity and outside right. of Christ and do what makes them happy. We were reading in a little life group, small
0: group curriculum last week that says you need to ask heart probing questions. Uh, and you know, I learned that even t- even t- I have a hard time uh, life group leaders. And you probably may know this or see it, but I want to be better at asking good questions. I think that's you know that's what Jesus literally made his ministry of asking good questions and uh, because people ask you questions and they want you to come up with a good answer but once you ask a question back to them they realize uh, just how much they don't know about the thing that they're even asking about Um, and I think even as you are trying to get your people to know things that they don't know about like for instance if you have people who say they don't prioritize themselves or they're not trying to discover their true identity if you ask them heart-probing questions like what do you spend your time doing? You know, uh, who do you spend most of your time thinking about? Uh, You know, you ask heart-probing questions, and you may actually find out that even the zealous individuals in your group aren't discarding the Council of Culture. They're actually adhering to much of it, and it just takes a good, heart-probing question to get them to the place uh, where they recognize that, and, you know, that's why you guys are life group leaders is because we set you guys up with these application questions uh, but really the work of probing the hearts of your people in your group who are dealing with uh, the things that your group is dealing with is really in your hands to be a, a good administrator of, uh, of your group to say, you know what, if I ask this question, I bet it could be helpful to, to uh, uncover some of the things that they may be dealing with, although I'm not trying to humiliate them or I'm not trying to make them feel bad about themselves, but understanding that asking that good question would get a lot of people to open up and have their own hearts probed to see, hey, what can, we, what can we ask
1: to help our people better uh, apply the question? Awesome. Well, moving on to point number two, you mentioned for us to entrust ourselves to the peace of Christ. And you, you mentioned this, that the, the uh, problem that we think that we have is a lack of inner peace. But in reality, the lack of inner peace that's inside of us is rooted without peace with God. And let's talk about two different types of people as life group leaders. Let's let's for a moment, speak to the non-Christians maybe in our life group. Yeah. How can we lead them in this? Well,
0: I hope they're applying the sermon because the application questions are going to point to this. But, you know, I did, my prayer was like, man, when I talked about the illustration of the, the weight loss that was actually cancer and the person wanted to deal with their weight loss, but they had a bigger problem. I mean, I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit was working through the preaching of the word this morning to get those people to say, man, that's me. I have all these problems, and I can't get rid of them. And I didn't realize that it's probably just a symptom of my bigger problem. And so, you know, if you have people who aren't Christians in your group, uh, and, and I also think about it this way: if you have people who aren't Christians in your group, and you're pretty certain of it, don't wait until life group to reach out to these people about these things. Uh, make time to invest in them. You remember we used the uh, acronym ICE, ice, right? You need to invite. You need to connect and you need to engage. And so a lot of the engagement, especially if you have people in your group who you are certain or confident who may not be Christians, the best thing to do is not just wait till life group. Take some time to invest in them throughout the week and bring up that, hey, I mean, what did you think when uh, Pastor Hayden said, I mean, our lack of inner peace is a microcosm of the absence of peace with God, and that illustration he brought up, man, it really hit me. What did you think about it? And so, see, as a life group leader, all your work is not accomplished during the application question time. It's really the ongoing work of uh, ministry throughout the week that does, in a lot of ways, uh, find a lot of its touch points
1: on your life group night. Okay, now shifting gears to the Christians in our group um First and foremost, I guess a, a proof and maybe an illustration could be helpful about how hey, how Christians can feel like they don't have inner peace and why they need to make sure they have peace with God. I mean, you know, they do in salvation, um, but when we're walking against the will of God as Christians, God you know, presses and convicts us and disciplines us to get back with him, not in a salvific form, but just back within his will. But how can we help our life groups as the Christians to say, hey, you are too in danger of not feeling you have quote unquote inner peace and you need to make sure you have peace with God. Maybe there's some unconfessed sin that is hidden in your life or there's an unreconciled relationship. How can we lead the Christians in our life group at this point? Yeah, if any of you can figure
0: out how to never deal with anxiety and worry and only live in a blissful world of peace every moment of your life, please let me know. I would love the answer to that question. But because we know that those are common uh, parts of the, uh, the life, even as a Christian, uh, we still do know that a lot of the problems that we have with peace have to do with us not walking in the will of God. Uh, and, and even think about it this way. Well, I got ran over by a car, or, yeah, I mean, I got ran over by a car, and now I'm about to lose my legs. It's like, yes, and, and are you worrying about that? You see what I'm saying? It's like I, the, the bad circumstance didn't didn't dictate the fact that you have to worry about it. Uh, what makes you worry about it is not knowing what's going to happen after this, and it's you not trusting that God's going to do something good out of this. Now, I get it. That's hard, isn't it? I mean, the, okay, what do you, you expect me not to worry? No, no, God expects you not to worry. I mean, not me. I'd worry my tail off if that were my situation, but that's not what the Bible says because I'm not going to have peace, and, and I'm going to have this worry and anxiety that doesn't belong uh, in my life, I don't I need to trust God. And I get, oh, just trust God. But yes, th- that is that is the the gist of the scriptures, is that you need to trust God, even in the hard and difficult situations, because if not, you're just going to give yourself anxiety and depression and worry uh, when a right perspective of Christ, number one, dealing with the main problem, is going to be helpful. But two, dealing with uh, the smaller problems, which even in, in light of this, am- a the amputee because of a wreck is a minor problem compared to our major problem with God. But let me point you to the whole point of, uh, after my second point, was it my second point? Uh, no, my third point, I said it in the nine, I don't. I didn't say it in the 11. Uh, maybe, I don't remember. Uh, the Bible, I mean, you're a W amputee going in for surgery after a car wreck. Do you have God's word in you? Do you have a church that's walking with you through this? Do you have a small group who's meeting your knees and reaching out to you? I mean, do you have those things? Because I promise you, if those things are deep-rooted into your life, it may not be a great pleasant situation that you're dealing with, but I guarantee you, your your peace is going to be made known because what Christ
1: promises is the peace of Christ will rule in our hearts. And that's under point number three, employ biblical counsel to every area of life. And is there anything else in under point number three that builds upon what you're saying that you would want us as life group leaders to know or remember and to convey into our life groups this week? I just want everyone
0: to continue remembering life group leaders that the Bible is for every area of life. Like there is no place that Bible, the Bible does not touch in our lives because it is God's word. It's not just a historical book. It's God's uh, truth revealed to us through scripture. Uh, and all of it according to second Timothy 3:16 through 17 is useful and profitable to mature us in Christ and to give us uh, peace in as many areas in our life as we would apply the Word of God to and so uh, really push that in your life groups to say do you know the Bible answers all the questions of life well and people say well how do I understand it well do you have a good church that's helping you understand the Bible giving you good tools to be able to read the Bible well, Yes, but, I mean, do you go? Or are you going to small group? Do you have people that you can reach out to that can live this life together with you? I mean, if you do, if you're just applying the Bible, uh, the Bible is going to give you tools like, I shouldn't say the Bible's going to give you tools, but God's going to give you tools that the Bible makes clear that you need to live out your life in the will of God, like a community, like uh, one-on-one counseling at times. I mean, the Bible clearly says that we need to do those things uh, in certain parts and times of our life when a need arises, uh, especially things like counseling. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the Bible is going to lead us because it is God's revealed truth to uh, all the things in every area of life that would be helpful for us to experience peace.
1: All right. Well, Life Group leaders, we have several uh, questions to go through and uh, let's make sure that we are prepared and uh, for, or, for our Life Group in those. And, and Pastor Hayden, which are some of the questions and knowing that not all the life groups get through all the questions, especially as we're adding, you know, 15 to 25 questions mm-hmm. in them. But which questions do we want our life group leaders to really dial in on at life groups? All of them. No, uh,
0: you know, I know question number two, church, uh, it's going to be hard and not hard. It shouldn't be because I, I, tr- I gave a lot of the context. If, if people were taking notes, they'll get it. But I want them to understand that you cannot get application from the text if you can't get the context in the text, uh, because it's impossible to know how to apply something if you don't know what it meant to the people that it was written to. And so that's why I asked question 2A, how does the context lead you to the significance of trusting God instead of what culture around you tells you to do? And I would have you guys, and I'm glad you're listening to this because I can help you guys lead people in that group. When you look at Isaiah, 11, Isaiah 8, 11 through 12, uh, you, you really get the gist of the issue. The Lord said, don't walk in the ways of this people. They're telling you to fear something that you ought not to fear. They're, con- they're talking about conspiracies. Uh, that will not happen if you will just trust in me, but your fear of those things and you dread those things. With the Lord of hosts, it's him you need to focus on. It's him you need to fear. Let him be your dread. And so, yeah, how does the context lead you to see the significance of trusting God instead of what culture around you tells you to do? Well, the culture lives in a context in which God in their hearts and minds doesn't exist. And maybe that wasn't the context in the time of Isaiah, but they practically were living as though God didn't exist. In our culture, we actually do uh, have people who don't believe in God, although people would believe that there is a God out there. And so even practically here, we have people who live in a life where they don't trust that God is going to lead them and direct them uh, as the proprietor of peace. And we believe that to be true. And so, therefore, why is it significant to trust God instead of the culture around you? And how does the context in Isaiah 8 and 9 help us understand that? That's a. I just gave you guys how you could help your group answer that question. I don't think... Uh, it's. I mean, it's just it's another question I want you guys to focus on, but I know that's going to be a hard one for you guys, and maybe for the for the maybe not you as life group leaders, but it is going to be hard for some of your people in your group. So don't don't skip over that question because I wrote it on purpose because I think there is a lack of uh, ability for a lot of our congregants to uh, distill the text into and, te- and to actually say what's going on in that text so that I can apply it to my life. We don't want to be. Uh, you know we don't want to give people milk uh, just because they're around us we want them to have the source of the milk you know we want them to take milk from the cow and not from the bottle and so for that we need to help them understand how to how to milk a cow
1: i'm a, I'm sorry I grew up on a farm that was <laughs> uh, wonderful. Thank you so much that for that. or And our life group leaders, thank you as well. <laughs> um, Pastor Hayden, are there any resources? I have written a couple down, but is there a resource that you have found helpful in your study of this or even with just as Christ is our wonderful counselor and how we are supposed to reflect his counseling, uh, do you have any books that you would recommend for our life group leaders?
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of our counseling resources would be would be helpful. Uh, a lot of the Jay Adams books, uh he, what's Heath Lambert's book that we like to... The Theology of Biblical Counseling. Theology of Biblical Counseling. That's a big one. Yeah, but our life group leaders, we've recommended that one before. We've recommended it. Yeah, that one's good. Uh, you know, I'm just telling you guys, having a good, powerful set of research tools like Logos, and I know we keep talking about that, but if you're a life group leader, I want to highly encourage you to, to get Logos, because I do so much of my research and so much of all of these things that I... Can never, it's, I can never find what I'm looking for in one single resource. And sometimes it takes me to dig deep in a whole bunch of different areas to really uh, find the answers that I believe that the text is asking that sometimes a single resource doesn't answer. And so I, as you guys dig deep in your own time, it would be good to have a resource where you can dive into a number of resources at the same time to help you uh, understand what Scripture is saying.
1: All right, and then the two resources I have written down. were first off, the J Adam pamphlets that we have that we've been talking through in the the training portion, and I was really encouraged to several of you guys asked, "Hey, where can I find these?" And we still have uh, plenty, so feel free to uh, grab some, grab some, and uh, let me know, and I can grab, grab some. Yeah, I can <laughs> grab uh, more for you. Um, but Also, if you really want a really good read, it is about three to 400 pages, but it's a very helpful book. It's the Christians Counselors Manual by Jay Adams. And uh, you can read it in chapters or the chunks. You don't have to read it in order, but it's a very helpful resource that he wrote back in the 70s about Nuthaic counseling, which is biblical counseling. And this is going to be a helpful resource for you to turn back to to help you lead your life groups better.
0: All right, so we have a tr- we actually on that, don't we? Have a training that we're gonna
1: yes, walk we these do. Guys and hey, I was really encouraged that you guys were interested about getting the you know, doing your anxious or depressed pamphlet in. <laughs> Take your anxious and depressed pamphlet, please. <laughs> yeah, no to to be able to lead your life groups through, and it's really <laughs> encouraging because what's great is you're doing the ice is that you're, you're inviting people, you're connecting, but you're engaging your life group. And you say, hey, I know there's a lot of anxious people in my life group. I know there's some depressed people. I want to help them be able to lead, to counsel them through this biblically. And so the next one is what to do when fear overcomes you. And I know that there are a lot of people in our church that deal with fear. And what, I mean, the way I define fear is not doing the thing we know we ought to do. And what this pamphlet by Jay Adams reveals is that in reality, we're, the the fear is really our fault. We produce the fear. We, we're the ones that fuel it. And how, how can we do that? Well, it's because it's our lack of trust in God, kind of based on Pastor Hayden's sermon this morning, we mentioned the, the proverb or the psalm which would say, um, and actually I was thinking of the kids song, you some trust in chariots, some in horses and some in riches, but I will trust in the name of the Lord, our God. When we fear, we're not doing the latter we're not fearing the lord we're not trusting in the lord and so we need to have our minds refocused and it's refocused as first john 4 8 says perfect love casts out fear now that might sound too goody tissues and too much feelings no no it's it's loving loving is an action how do we, how do we know that god loves well he sent his son to die in our place love is an action feelings will eventually follow and to quote j adams in order for us to refocus, instead, you must learn to focus that concern, that fear, refocus it entirely upon doing the loving thing that you know God requires you to do or of you. For example, you know that people fear because they need to reconcile with a family member and they are just, just deathly afraid to talk to this person. You, say, you need to trust God, kind of what I talked on last week. You ask God what you need to do, you need to do it, and then trust God with the results. Um, but the key to be able to do this is that you must do the loving thing that God commands you despite our fear and and pastor Hayden. I want to set you up because you were talking about how you were counseling someone through their fear. Yeah. uh, And this was
0: a, this was a fear of an anxious fear. Uh, I was counseling someone who uh, was, I quote in fear of losing their grandmother. And I, was starting to probe and ask some questions. I was like, so you fear that your grandmother is going to die and be with Christ? And he said, well, no. I'm like, well, then then what do you fear? And he fumbled for a while trying to figure it out. And I asked, I was like, do you fear that she's going to die and be with Christ? Or do you fear how you're going to feel about her dying? And he said, yeah,
1: now that's it. So pastor Hayden, are you implying that fear in reality is selfish? I, or self-focused. I I believe that often fear is self focused, and I agree by the way. Uh,
0: often the fear is self focused because he's actually and I and I would probe even deeper. I'm like, you know, is this about the way that she would die, like a painful, terrible death? Well, no. I mean, because that's good. The fear. I mean, I fear. Oh, I don't. I'd hate for my you know grandmother to die in a horrific way. But it, it had nothing to do with that. It was just the fact that no, if, if she dies, I'm going to be sad, and so I fear my feeling of sadness. And so, the, really what could be on the surface level, a great sign of, oh, he loves her so much, was really nothing about her anyway. It was about him and about his fear that he doesn't want to feel those feelings eventually, nothing to do with with her actually dying.
1: And to clarify, we're not talking about Good and healthy fear, what fear of the Lord? Yeah, fear of the Lord, but also God has put fear, fear of, of consequence, fear of consequence, fear of falling off a cliff. All yeah. good things, All good. and even the pamphlet you know distinguishes that, and that's why I defined it earlier to say it's not doing the thing you know you ought to do, doing the thing that God wants you to do, and not doing it. It's not well. God, Pastor Evan says, "Don't fear." So I'm gonna. I don't I should fly I'm gonna fly off this bridge like no don't do that that's that's called a cult that's called a cult and guys put in healthy fear to keep you alive now there's unhealthy fear that you know you need to not do you know you need to do something and you're not willing to do it because you fear Um, but so pastor Hayden back to what your counseling situation so how are you able to lead them out of their fear
0: it was really, one, getting them to acknowledge that their fear was was really, was selfish. And uh, he was able to admit that and say, he said, so this is just selfishness, isn't so it? So did you
1: just right away, hey, you know, hey, you're selfish. Stop being fearful. No, I was asking heart-probing
0: questions. And uh, he said, I'm being selfish, aren't I? And I said, I said, I believe you are. And uh, really, it's helping people see that what they're dealing with is uh, is, is a sin, right? Selfishness is sin. But if I say initially when you get to the beginning of it, is being afraid that my grandmother is going to die a sin? Well, you could be like, well, somebody who depending on which life group leader you are, you're going to say yes or no, uh, because well that's not bad that he loves his grandmother and doesn't want her to die, and then others can dig under and say, yeah, well, something's going on that makes this sinful, and yeah, you're both right in a sense, although the second one he is right because if you dig, you do see sin, but it's not wrong to to miss your grandmother and not want her to die. But when somebody is having that issue, it begs the question of why are you feeling that way? And so once you dig down underneath the, uh, the layers there, it does actually turn out that there is some uh, underlying sin like uh, this guy that I counseled when, when they really said I'm being I'm, the, selfish, the sin was selfishness. Not a desire to not see his grandmother die, but a selfishness of having to face that in his,
1: in his own life and the effects that would have on him. And I think I remember this situation. I think you were constantly just trying to point him toward God. And essentially, Mm -hmm. maybe without even saying it, a love for God. Oh, yeah. That would be the solution for his fear.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you're not going to fear your grandmother going to be with an all powerful, all loving God for eternity. I mean, that doesn't sound like something to be afraid of. It only is something to be afraid of when you are the one not loving God or people enough to want that to happen and to be able to deal with, uh, although the sad and, uh, repercussions that comes with that, because your mind isn't stayed on God and the the joyous reunion the saints get to have when we
1: do die. And so, life group leaders, you're gonna fa- your, your life groups gonna face different kinds of fears: fears of you know having to reconcile relationships, fear for their kids, you know, fear for you know getting kids sick or the kids dying or. Uh, different types of fears of, you know, the job situations of having to call out someone at work or to do something that the works requiring them to do they don't feel they have the conviction to do. Um, but in order to help them, you need to point them toward a love for God and His commandments. And so, if you need this resource, we have it up in the office, and so feel free to ask for it, and I'll give it to you. Um, and then, Pastor, any closing f- thoughts on this? That's it. All right, Comp- uh, life group leaders. Almost said compass, but you're compass life group you're compass leaders. Compass life group leaders. We have. Way too many announcements. So, Pastor Hayden, you are disciplined and self-controlled with the words. So yep. put
0: this on double speed and listen up. Boom. Christmas encompassed the women's Christmas coffee. You had over 150 women there. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that was amazing. And the gospel was proclaimed. It was, it was wonderful. Wonderful uh, event for you you gals. So grateful for it. Uh, we have our Christmas series that just launched today. He is. Please have your group to invite other people as we start realizing who Christ is and, and learning about him this Christmas. We had so many guests today at our church. A ton. Uh, I was, the 9 o'clock was very light, but then the 11 o'clock was full. was ridiculous. And it was so many new people who got to hear the Bible and hear the gospel. And mm. It was so good. Praise it. All right. Praise it up. All right, Christmas celebration, December the 11th. That's next Sunday. Next Sunday. So don't forget to invite people next Sunday for our Christmas celebration. We're going to have uh, horse riding. We're going to have petting zoo. We're going to have uh, Christmas carolers. We're going to have food trucks. I mean, it's going to be awesome out there. And then Kids Choir, December 18th. And that night, we are also going to have our serve team celebration, which if you have not registered for that, do so now. We want to make sure we know how many people are coming to that so we know how much to order. Uh, And so have your people announce that. Make sure you announce that in your group to have people register for that. We have our uh, kids' Christmas choir that morning, if I didn't say that. So that morning we have our Christmas choir. Can't wait for that at 9 and 11. We have our Christmas Eve family service on Saturday, December the 24th at 5.30 and 7 p.m. So pick a service. Make that a tradition of yours to be with us. Make sure, life group leaders, you announce that. Take the time to do that. And then finally, life group leaders, Christmas Day service. Uh, we are having service that Sunday at 11 a.m. It's going to be a family service. um, And so make sure that you uh, help your group realize the importance of, out of all the days of the year, to be at church on the day that we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. Come on. If you need help, refer them back to Candice's message on the women's event. There (laughs) There you go. And finally, baptisms, January the 8th. Encourage people in your life group. Uh, to sign up who have not been baptized, and we look forward to that service that's dedicated to uh, hearing the testimonies of people's salvations. All right, Life Group leaders, so grateful for you guys. Looking forward to Life Group this week and seeing you guys on Sunday.